guess. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you all. Welcome to the show. We really appreciate you being here. I can't wait to find out why we do what we do. <laughs> oh, that, okay, well, first question, how did you start writing? What, what caused you to, to pursue this? Then? This is this, this endeavor of creating original music and hoping people like it, or is it just do you do it for you? We're diving right in, huh? Um, I don't feel like I had a choice. I feel like when I grew up, I knew I had all these feelings and all these thoughts and all these things that I thought about all the time. And I think I was probably a really hyper kid and I would see my grandmother journaling every day. Like literally people say they do it. I'm like, I don't know about y'all, I'm horrible at journaling, but she wrote every single day for like 70 something years. So I think I always saw that happening. And I think I started dealing with things in life writing too. And I grew up around songwriters. My dad uh, toured for a living and was a session player. So I would get kicked out of songwriting sessions as like a three or four year old because I talked too much. So like it's, (laughs) I never didn't know what songwriting was. So I'm really, really lucky in that way. That sounds like an awesome gift. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, like to grow up around it. And I I would say I have a somewhat similar experience just because my uncle, who I've known since I was born, is also a songwriter who you know from Mississippi, West Johnson. (laughs) Small world. Small world. Yeah. He was like, yeah, Melissa Joyner, you need to connect with her. I'm like, actually, she's coming to play the voice in the pen. (laughs) So he was pretty blown away by that. But I think that is a super helpful thing when there's someone there that's like, hey, this is normal. This is a thing that people do. They pick up a guitar. They pick pick up piano. Hopefully they don't pick up a piano because you'd be like the Hulk, I guess. <laughs> but pick up piano and, and create music with us. But what about you, Chris? Right. I mean, I want to say real quickly, like, I am so fascinated by your background to have this radical saxophone ability and then also be so the leader of a like rock and roll country band. You know, it's amazing. So tell us a little bit about how you got into songwriting. Um, I spent a lot of time uh, playing in horn sections, like sitting at the back of the stage in the dark, you know. And um, and I spent a lot of time thinking, it, it, it you know, I, I wrote when I was young. Because I had the guitar, you know, I would just sit there and self-taught guitar player, sit there on the couch and play scales and songs I would learn and stuff like that. But when I became a saxophonist, I started doing it professionally, and I was back there in the horn section. I always thought to myself, like, man, if I were to write a song like this, what would I do about it? And I started thinking about my own life and things that I had been through, man. And um, I sat down one day, and I just put words on a page, just like kind of like word just threw them onto the page kind of, and um, and then stuff just started to come out of it. I started seeking it out as a way of, like, therapy, really. And, um, and you know, saxophone is it's, it's therapeutic in its own way, man. I get, to get, I get to be just an animal, man, like wild, unleash just everything inside through the horn. Um, but uh, writing songs gives me a voice. And that is, uh, it's just a really powerful thing, man. It's like, uh, I fell in, I've, I have fallen in love with what I write, you know, almost every day, dude, that I'm not gigging. I'm, you know, I've got paper on, pen on paper. And I mean, I just, I enjoy it. It's a, it's. Do you go straight to writing songs or are you kind of writing journaling prose and then it's kind of a combination or how do the songs come out? Well, uh, oh God. TK's gonna zap us. <laughs> this is just like this. They come out. This does it make up? Does it help to make up for the viewers at home? That was the melody to the Mandalorian. 
Okay. Is my All right. Well, that, that definitely scores points in my book. <laughs> Good save. Excellent. Um, <laughs> what were we talking about? <laughs> how so, those songs come out of yeah, you? Like, yeah. how did it, you come well, up with the words? Um, the last song that I wrote um, was called uh, 59 Years on the 60. And um, I was at work one day, and uh, a gentleman that I know, he, he was talking about his wife. He showed me a picture. It was an old military ball pitcher, and he said, "He said, yeah, he said, I miss her every day. I haven't moved a single thing in my house, he said, since she passed away. He said, and he said, I had her for 59 years. We almost made it to 60. And I went to my pickup truck, and I had a notepad in there, and I wrote down. I'll, I'll, play, I'll play that one for you guys tonight. But awesome. It, it, I just I got so overtaken by the idea, man, of just just – the most iconic idea of true love just he said man I, I i just he said i haven't moved a single thing in the house he said i won't touch anything that was hers i won't move it mm. i won't do anything with it he said and and the way he said i had her for 59 years almost six i said man if that's not a hook to a good country song dude i don't i don't know anything about songwriting if that's not a good one then i just <laughs> that's what i think is so cool like i think that a lot of songwriters have that and and screenwriters too it's like when I learned, took a screenwriting class and my teacher was like, like, you know, just, just go to a restaurant and sit there and like, listen to mm. people talk. And then you like get these ideas just like you did. It's like, that's a song idea. Uh, Louis Armstrong would, uh, walk down the street. Salt peanuts came, uh, from him walking down the street and he heard a kid. He was salt peanuts, salt peanuts. So the melody, boom, bada, boom, bada, boom, bada. That was okay. There's that so makes sense. Yeah. So I, me- I remember reading uh, that Steve Earle was talking about like if you write solely from your own experience, you will run out of material real fast. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so that listening and absorbing, and it's like in a way, um, you know, I think we're kind of like conduits in that way. And like sometimes for me, the song comes. It's like boom, here's a song done. Forty five minutes is over. Yeah. And sometimes mm-hmm. I'm like fall into and I learned this recently from another friend of mine songwriter the David Bowie's method and so a lot of times he would get a a line you know Mm -hmm. and when he just had one line he would take the line write it on a piece of paper notebook tear it out and put it in a box and then if he was sitting down for a writing session and he got stuck he would go in the box and start pulling stuff out of it and like playing Tetris with it to see how it fits together and so you know (laughs) the you the audience doesn't know that we were chatting a whole bunch beforehand about like kind of what we do, why we do it and how we go about making things happen. And like a huge part of us doing this podcast, what's such a gift to us is we get to talk to like two, four songwriters a week and share ideas, you know, and like talk about how, what we've learned, what they've learned. And I think it just helps make the whole community better. Um, You know, uh, some of us are, weirdly crazy enough to pick up a guitar or some other instrument and go, let, let me try and like make original music. And like <laughs> some of us do it because we have to, but it's always really beautiful to find tools along the way that are helpful. So thank you for sharing y'all's insight on that too. Can I ask you a quick question as something you just said? Sure. So you know how you said like the David Bowie thing, he would take old song ideas and put them on an actual piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Well, I was thinking about while you said that for me, that's like, my iPhone or, well, excuse mm-hmm. me, that was weird to have an Android, but like my iPad or something or my computer. Mm-hmm. So my question to you guys is, do you feel that it's a different experience when you're pen to paper 
or when it's like actually on your phone. Like for me, I write songs quickly if it's on the laptop. Like mm-hmm. I just pump it out and I play it. Mm-hmm. But if I write it out, either A, it's more meaningful or B, it takes longer. But do you think that's changed us as a generation of writers because we're so digital now versus the pen to paper? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, I have terrible handwriting. So for me, a lot of times if I write something down, you know, I need to quickly get it digital so I can read it because I'm often not patient enough with myself to make my writing legible. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, digitally, the same thing sort of applies, you know, and like where I'm headed with my paper songwriting is that, you know, using scraps of paper, but with a bulletin board, mm-hmm. right? So that I can then like pin things Ooh, on the I board like and move them around. Yeah. But I do a Ooh, similar... I like that a lot, actually. Yeah, I, I got that from a Stealing. friend of mine that yeah. I'll tell you about named Alden Hedges. He's okay. the bass player for American Aquarium. And I, that was like... I love that group. That's oh a great idea. Oh my gosh, yeah, they're, they're so good. So <laughs> now we're all going to have awesome boards that will take pictures and yeah. send each other. Well, because then you walk in your room and then it's like, if and you have it on your phone, then yeah. it's like you have to actually make you know, like, okay, I'm going to sit down and pull this up and all these different notes that I have of all these different lines and mm-hmm. then figure out a way to, like, you can't see them all in front of you. So that's a great, that's an awesome idea. And I got it right from him, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and he has actually agreed to be a guest on the podcast in the future. Uh, it'll be oh, virtual man. because he's going to be touring because they are a heavy, heavy touring band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But back to that question, you know, for me, it's exactly what you're talking about. The, the upside to the phone is it's rapid mm-hmm. and it's legible for me. The downside yeah. is that yeah. then I won't look at it again right. for a long mm-hmm. time. And so like I was recently on a trip, took a train ride mm-hmm. and I was like listening to music, learning, you know, stuff that we want to cover or want to be influenced by and um, took the time to actually go through and I keep a little, I do keep a notebook where I have all my completed songs on one side and all my works in progress on the other. And so I can scratch it off and move it over. And when I got done, I realized that I have like 40 some odd songs between the two, right. two lists. And I was like, I only have like 10 originals. And I was like, oh, wow. oh but if I could just sit down and focus for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think that to me has become about honoring yourself and honoring your own mm-hmm. art, like investing the time in it. You know, it's worth it. It's worthy of your time to mm-hmm. make it legible, CB. Right. <laughs> you know? yeah. so, cool. Sorry, yeah. I just, you said that. I was like, I want to ask. No, I think, I mean, I, that's what this is about. We don't have like a script. No, <laughs> 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 we'll start sharing our bulletin board pictures with each other and be like, how full is yours now? Right. Send it to me. That might actually make me do it. Though, for yeah. Like, I like a good, like... Accountability. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now, you grew up in Mississippi? No. No. Where did you grow up? <laughs> so I actually grew up in a bar. I'm just kidding. Um, sorry, Mom. I <laughs> Your dad up. was a touring musician. Yes, you grew up in a <laughs> bar. <laughs> so actually, though, but I grew up in a... Uh, we moved around a lot because my dad was a full-time musician, but um, I cut my teeth in the Gulf Coast, I'd mm-hmm. say Gulf Shores, Alabama. But there was this thing called the Frank Brown Songwriters Festival. It's like one of the longest lasting festivals that brings people from all over the world. So I grew up going to the home bar that it was in. So really, like I grew up kind of in one of the biggest music scenes for original music. So that was actually where I went. I went to Mississippi on an opera scholarship and uh, on a random weekend journey, I went to a blues bar 
And I heard a woman growl for the first time, and I was like, that. I want to be a blues singer. And then I called my mom, and I've been apologizing since. So, <laughs> yeah. What about you, Chris? You're South Carolina native? or No, uh, no? raised in a small town uh, in Clinton, North Carolina. Clinton. All yeah. right. I know that's like right up the road from here, like oh, 45 yeah. minutes or an hour or something yeah, like that, yeah. right between here and Raleigh. Very close, actually. Yes, it is. Indeed, indeed. So as, as you all are touring playing music both of y'all all over the place like y'all you're I, I i know you play like florida mississippi alabama north carolina south carolina georgia everywhere you're starting to really expand yeah. out from myrtle yeah. beach as well what's the weirdest thing that's happened to you all that you feel comfortable talking about on the road as a working musician <laughs> well, <laughs> okay so i was in barcelona and i was super excited um it was so I play a lot overseas. Um, I had a goal of 30 countries by the time I turned 30. And I had always been paid like under the table and like weird American money or weird things. But they paid me in a bar tab at this like underground cave venue in Barcelona. And they paid me like the local currency there. And they were short, I guess, on something or I don't know exactly the story. It doesn't matter. But like part of what I got paid for in addition came with like this bar tab. And I normally don't drink. When I play, most of you know that about me, but when in Barcelona, I had made friends with all these strangers in the street, all these buskers, all these people. So everyone is on stage with me. I had like 12 musicians. The bartender was a friend of mine. He's like, could you not? And I'm like, no, we're, we're here now. I had so much to drink, unfortunately. I was drinking something called El Diablo, and I was supposed to catch a flight to Switzerland the next day to go play there. And this is the one and only time I've ever been this intoxicated. Again, I'm sorry, Mom. But I was in i'm saying barcelona the way that i choose to say it whatever but um and all the signs were in spanish uh cotillion spanish whatever and i didn't see geneva so this whole time i didn't want to bring attention to myself because i'm drunk i don't know if i'm flying to the right country i had played straight i drank i just didn't know so i got on a plane and i wasn't with it enough to realize that obviously my ticket scan i'm going to end up in the right country but that was the wildest gig and i've played some really weird stuff but for some reason that's immediately what popped in my brain this tiny little stage in this cave bar in barcelona with like 12 musicians and they were all soloing at the same time and it was chaotic and insane and I was just so happy to be there that I didn't care. And the bartender's just like, what are you doing? And I, it's my best life. All I can think of right now are, is the, are the words, the devil in Geneva. <laughs> right. Feels yeah. Like, it feels like a song, probably. Well, I do have that porch light song. I should just change it. Oh, yeah. you know? Okay, there you go. There I thought you, you were going to say you ended up in the wrong country. No, but I did <laughs> literally get there and promptly take a nap on the floor. And it was so funny because this woman walked by with her kid and was like, this is why you stay in college. And I really wanted to be like, I have a teaching degree. Thank you very much. <laughs> I chose this life. I chose this on purpose. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure yours will Chris, yeah. you got yeah, any devil in Geneva stories? <laughs> I, um, this past uh, New Year's Eve, I was playing with the uh, full band up in... Um, was that uh it wasn't clayton it was lewis lewisburg mm-hmm. uh yeah lewisburg uh, north carolina up near the raleigh area and um while we were playing this guy gets kind of kind of inebriated and stuff he's like he falls on to falls on a lady and knocks her down behind the bar stool and I was kind of like waiting for the bar staff, like security like like <laughs> is anybody going to take care of this issue and like everybody's just the band's kind of looking at me and i'm looking at them i'm like God, you know this is this is crazy and then he keeps they they they, they basically cut him off they tell him he goes over there and starts drinking somebody else's drink 
He comes back to the floor and steps in, steps in my guitar case a couple of times. And my, my, my girlfriend, she comes out there and asks him politely. She says, maybe we should sit down. <laughs> and um, I'm a nice guy, you know. But this was the craziest thing I've ever done at this show. I've never done anything wild like this, I promise. I can vouch. <laughs> He's mild. Um, and he grabbed her by the back of the arm Ooh. and snatched her. Uh-huh. So I, with my saxophone on my neck still, I came running off the stage. I dragged him through the venue like his legs just dragging the ground. <laughs> story right here. And then yeah. I... I Opened the door with him, <laughs> and oh my gosh, and put him outside and told him not to come back in. I walked back inside, and the band is still playing. The band is still playing band. the song. <laughs> so I just walked back on stage. I didn't say a word, and I just kept playing the sax. And everybody's in the, there. Are people in the audience, and they're going, "What? What just Bad. happened?" <laughs> was so sad. I wasn't there to see that one. <laughs> Yeah, but, it's like, um, that's something you want. Why that's didn't that happen during our band gig? I'm I just saying. That would have been did, cool. Did anybody get it on video? <laughs> that's what I was going to say. I don't know. I re- honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> that's, a, that's a TikTok reel right This is going to go in the documentary, the Chris Nelson documentary. Yeah, the <laughs> uh, it was funny because um, one, of the, one of the two of my band members were talking. They were like, well, man, why didn't you, why didn't you stop playing and go help him? He said, well, he... Chris seemed just mad enough. He was taking care. He was removing the problem and the situation himself. <laughs> Chris Nelson here to provide music for your ears and, and security, security. For, the, for the bar. And All folks, you know, the security costs extra. Yeah. And this oh is why gosh. I don't mess with Chris's girlfriend and why I don't drink at shows. Now we know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was good times. Oh I've never done anything like that. You know, never gotten, never gotten crazy at a show. Just. It just happened, dude, and it was the weirdest thing because the band just kept playing. That was the that was the wild part to me. Did you feel like before you realized exactly what was happening, you were like on top of the guy already? Yeah, yeah, like you're halfway there, and you're like, "What you am I doing?" Know. Well, I'm doing it now. I'm not turning around. <laughs> like, just I can't go back. Dude, I've already, I had already made a statement. Um, <laughs> once the legs were dragging, dude, I was like, "Okay, I gotta." I guess I gotta take him somewhere now. <laughs> so, I, so I was looking, <laughs> so I was like looking for the exit, and the uh, down oh the corridor we would go, and and I just had him in front of me, you know. So I just kind of opened the door with him. All right. Was your saxophone still around your neck? No. Uh, That's what I wanted. A, a audience member. This is the real question. As I came off the stage, I remember taking the hook off because I was scared about it. I was like, I don't want my baby to get. <laughs> This is, you know, I'm gonna kill you, but I'm gonna protect my child. Yeah, I was picturing you with the Somebody sax. Somebody took still the sax from me. I, I can't even. I don't even know what they did. With you it. should hire that, that band person as your first roadie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dude, for real. Can yeah. you imagine the memes? Like, could you imagine just a saxophone guy coming off stage and beating the crap out of someone? That would go viral. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Let's it would. stage it. I'm feeling yeah. a little bit like you're channeling some inner Emily fly by the seat of your pants. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to solve this problem. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm a lot that way, too, which is, I think, why she and I work well together. Is you're like, I'm not, we're going to show up and we're going to shoot this podcast and yeah. we have the gear and that's what we know. Yeah. Yeah. Those are my favorite. We're going to yeah. make it happen. Yeah, it probably proves, some way, somehow. it probably uh, gives you guys the most authentic results, too, though. Mm-hmm. I think so, and yeah. I, I gotta say that's the first. That's a very authentic story. I've never, we've never had a story like that's that. That's a good on the story, podcast, yeah. But, yeah. No. but thank you for that. For, Yours is good too. Yeah, yeah. I, those are great. I, I think, I, sorry, mom. Like, I have one like experience, and it was a voice in the pen show, and I was playing, 
And well, this has happened happened twice at one of the venues we used to be at, and like oh, yeah. someone like fell know. off of their stool like while I was playing a song, and this. then and I was like, what, "Am I? What should I do?" And I just like kept playing, and then someone <laughs> else was like, "Yeah, don't ever stop playing." And yeah. then the time CB shows up for like one of the first times. <laughs> sees this guy out on the street I with come, like a bloody head. <laughs> I come driving up. <laughs> this is before I was officially a co-host, and there's so this isn't really. I don't have any great gig stories yet. I go. To, I guess I'm not gigging enough, or I'm yet. gigging in you know too yeah. nice of places or something. I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> you need to get. We can change here. that for you. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, Dirty Myrtle, right? <laughs> Listen, come, on come visit got us. You. <laughs> you did play one of my shows in a monsoon, and y'all kept playing the entire time. Yeah. That was oh, pretty yeah. insane. Inside, yeah. outside, inside, out, yeah. outside. Okay, it's raining. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the, the, I'll I'll go back to Emily's story, uh, the voice in the pen story. I think the craziest gig story that I have is, you know, I've had this happen two or three times where people will come up to me and ask me if I cover Britney Spears. And I'm like, <laughs> have you heard my voice did and you, do you see me? Did you listen to any of my shows? <laughs> yeah, <before? like>, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. Then I'm, yeah, no, not even for $100. I have my dignity. Come on. <laughs> oh What's the weirdest song request you guys have ever gotten? I got the Maracarena one time. Can't make that up. Oh like, gosh. I have a guitar in my hand. What do you want me to do? Oh. Or like a like a hit me baby one more time. All that right. was the weirdest. You're staying re- with the Britney. Yeah, stay, I'm sticking with Britney on that. Yeah. Metallica for me yeah. was a. I mean, not that, that's not that weird, but it's like. It's like, like did you listen to me? But yeah, it was like. Do you really think that I do Metallica? Yeah, like, what makes you I think mean, this? you're a badass. I feel like if you wanted to do Metallica, <laughs> you would do it. You know, yeah. but, but they don't like, know that. They mm-hmm. don't know that. <laughs> but just like knowing that they're like metal, and then like. Like being out at one of my shows, it's like, do you do Metallica? Like, but now I want to do some Metallica. Yeah. yeah what about no, you? Sure. I had somebody request "Fancy" by M- Reba McIntyre, <laughs> and um, you and it, I was didn't you? I was full band at Riptides, the third floor oh, Riptides, and sent it. It was terrible. Oh man, and we we threw everything we had out of the kitchen scene. <laughs> I gave it everything I had, man. Like, uh, tides will get you. I did see a band one time, you know, somebody, so, and it was a friend of theirs. I couldn't believe this. A friend in the audience is like, play Freebird! It's not and free. They, had, they already had yeah. two, they had two lead guitar players in the band anyways, and they huddled up for about 45 seconds and came out and crushed it. I mean, I was like... <laughs> <laughs> you know, just jaw on the floor. That was like the one time that that happened. Because of them, that's why they still ask other musicians. <laughs> you tell them I'm mad. And I'm like elbowing the friend. I'm like, dude, don't do that. That is not... Don't feed the seagulls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't feed the seagulls. So anyways, there we were uh, at, at a different venue for The Voice in the Pen in downtown Wilmington. And I'm coming to check the venue out and like kind of see what's happening, support the show, cruising down Front Street. And I get to the intersection where this venue is, and there's a dude standing in the middle of the street, and he's bleeding profusely from his head. I mean, in the middle of the street. I'm like, what in the world is going on? And then I look <laughs> over, and I see that there are like eight or ten bar staff people, bar backs, front of house servers. Everybody is out there in a semicircle around the, the front door. 
And I'm like, okay. And there's somebody yelling at the dude and like, you know, get out of here, don't come back. And I think, I'm like, I think I'll go around the block <laughs> and see if the police are here by the time so I get back. <clears throat> and they were. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I can do it. I just prefer not to. <laughs> but um, that was that was the weirdest voice in the pen story that I can think of that I've had. But it was it was a definitely a sign that it was time to move to a different venue. <laughs> Between the guy falling off the stool. And I think this cat, what had happened is he, before he was escorted out of the bar, <laughs> um, threw a, a highball glass at the mirror behind the bartender, got mm-hmm. mad about oh something, and threw a glass. That'll and do it. That'll yeah. do it. That'll get you bounced, Ooh. you know, pretty pretty rapidly. Yeah. <laughs> what are y'all listening to right now? What are, what are you listening to that's inspiring you? You know, it's so funny. I was literally talking to him or someone else, maybe it was Drew, earlier about I don't necessarily play the music that I listen to. And you said something earlier about like taking time to honor yourself. Like that hit me because I'm not. But like I love Motown and Mm. um, obviously I'm into blues and jazz. But like I'm really big into this like West Coast vibey thing here lately. It's like since I started skateboarding more and like surfing more, it's like those have changed so much of like what I listen to because now I go for moods more so than Mm -hmm. genres. But I really love this like new resurgence of like Motown and funk and soul like we're actually in another project together called the travel cats and we were literally just having a business meeting because we're writing it off on our taxes um (laughs) about our our style and what we want to do and like it's funny because he's like one of the most amazing country rock musicians and band that you can go check out but the way he plays his saxophone it's just like ungodly because i play saxophone too and he makes me not want to do it anymore he's that good but what we were talking about how is like really want to do more funk and soul so it's funny because like i'm more like a blues folk singer but that's really what I love. Blues folk singer with an opera background. I think mm. soul will be right up your alley. Yeah. <laughs> I think you'd yeah, be all right. So that's really what I'm like vibing on. But I'll go from Mozart to Britney Spears to Tupac in three seconds in my car. It's like, this is what ADD looks like as a musician. <laughs> oh, yeah. Someone asked me what my favorite song was the other day at a show. And I was like, favorite song? I don't have a favorite song. I was like, there's too many songs that I love. I'm yeah. like, I have a favorite song of the moment. Yeah, and it'll change and in two like, more moments. Right, yeah. And, and it's like, like which stars all your favorite, over right? the place. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So um, the way I get... Fancy. I get... <laughs> <laughs> Fancy by Reba McIntyre. Uh, it's been on repeat in my car. Um, <laughs> I can attest. I get into these like certain grooves. Sometimes they're albums. Mm-hmm. And the way that my brain works, like I... Right now I'm listening to uh, the Marfa tapes. It has a... John Randall, Jack Ingram, Mar- uh, Miranda Lambert, and they recorded the album um, on a tailgate of a pickup truck in the desert. And what's, re- what's really, like, stimulating to my ear about it is just, like, the crackle of the fire behind the music. It's more specifically Jack Ingram's writing. Like, there's a song on that on that album called... Uh, uh, it, it, the, the line goes, if we can't have each other, we'll always have the blues. Mm-hmm. And it's got kind of a, a jazz shuffle almost on a country acoustic album. I mean, it's just so. I mean, I mean, it just makes my brain, like, just all the. I mean, all the neurons are just going crazy up there, man. When I hear this album, because I just, again, it's raw, it's authentic, it's it's genuine. It's them genuinely trying to have fun when they write. The goal was not to. There's a difference when people try to write songs to create a hit mm-hmm. or whenever they're writing to create mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or when they're writing 
to for their own enjoyment. And sometimes, like just because they were there, the whole thing. You even hear them say on the album, like they they finished this song. And they're like, "Remember, we're having fun. We're having fun." They're laughing about it. Yeah, that's beautiful. And and they might. And again, they're singing about if we don't have each other, we'll always have the blues. So it just puts in perspective for me that like, dang it, like I I write I write country music. I write a lot of my songs. A good bit of them are sad, but it makes me happy. Dude, minor. I see a mirror in a query of like line is sad songs make me happy. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> I've almost thought about uh, making a in my merch store putting up a uh, make country sad again or yeah. sad yeah. Song, or sad songs make me happy. You the Chris Nelson band. Like I just yeah. thought it would be such a cool. Line. I'd wear it. That's great. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be a good one. I loved what you're saying though about you know uh, the in, as I would describe it as the intention behind creating. Mm. Right, you know, and or, or are you trying to write a hit? You know, like, are you? Or, so, like, if you're a golfer or you're a surfer, or like, what, are you trying really hard? Are you trying too hard? And mm. I've been listening to you know a lot of a lot. I listen to a lot of different philosophy audiobooks and read a lot of that stuff. And I've been really hooked on this concept lately of the be, do, have cycle, and where you are when you enter that cycle. So, if you are doing in order to have so that you can be and like be more relaxed or whatever, your, your intentions are sort of out of order. Or if you're waiting until you have something so that you can be better so that then you can do, that's a little out of order too. But if out of just your existence, out of your Mm. being, you are doing, then you have all the things that you need after that. The have sort of follows that. Yeah, be, do, have is really stuck in my head a lot. Dude, this is giving me song ideas. This is a therapy session (laughs) I didn't know I needed today, man. Right. Sydney's coming home with it over here. It was nice uh, talking to you guys. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we've not done a live co-write yet. We got guitars. Maybe we we can make it real, real weird. (laughs) Man, wouldn't that be crazy if we wrote a song here on set right now? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's see. How much time do we have? It's five o'clock. The show doesn't start till <laughs> seven. <laughs> if anyone could be, be wild. you said earlier though that you wish you could kind of grown up in that like songwriter thing or something about it would be cool to like grow up. But it is a double edged sword because you said earlier like the writing just to have a hit. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. imagine growing up in a nothing but songwriter community where every single conversation is who you know, who you write for, what mm-hmm. camp you're in. I got invited yeah. to a producer party in Nashville and I was so green. I had no business in being there, but I'd played a festival with these people. So I'm walking around, who do you write for? Melissa Joyner, because that's who I am. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. that's, that's not at all what they meant. So they was like, well, who's this Melissa Joyner? No one, absolutely no one. But at this party, <laughs> so it stained it a lot for me. Like, honestly, until I moved away and I wrote because I wanted to, like, I would go to all these festivals and play, and they had the same pattern because they are all, they get these, these emails, I guess, now and tell you which artist is writing songs. And then you have to write. And so I wrote a whole album with a guy in Florida who was like nominated for a Grammy album of the year. Like it was prestigious and it was so cool, but I felt so sad in some ways, no offense if you're watching, but he had so many songs he had to write each week and they had to be this amount of minutes long. And like, it was so not who I am in my spirit. And Mm -hmm. so I compared myself to all those people for so long. And that's why I became or why I put more emphasis on being a a vocalist Mm -hmm. instead of a songwriter. And it's not been until the last year that I've allowed myself, even though I host songwriting things, even though I did created a songwriter thing, it was like, I was just trying to keep up with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But not until I removed that and just wrote because I wanted to like, for me now, 
and it's obviously not cookie cutter hits, but like I just went through a breakup or blah, 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 blah. Like I write because it's like something that fills up and it's lightning. If I don't get rid of it, I'll go insane. And I don't find closure until like it's gone. So like those people (laughs) that I grew up with though, they're so formulaic and like they are writing because on this date at this time, this song gets pitched. So they're not writing what they want to write themselves. And also if you write 30 songs a month, it's, it's exactly like what we were talking about earlier. Like someone invites you to a bonfire and something tells me y'all are going to be like, yeah, they want you to bring your guitar. Well, you're playing seven days a week. Do you really want to bring your guitar? No, yeah. you don't want. Right. You want to not work. Right. You want a, yeah. a break from working. So that's like those different types of songwriting. If you're not careful, it becomes the bonfire mm-hmm. that you don't want to bring your guitar to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I Oof. I went to Belmont University in Nashville. Oh, so, so yeah, like, absolutely. I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, just I've never had the desire to. Um, like I knew I had a friend who worked for a publishing company and I was kind of like, I, I want to like co-write with some of those people, but I don't want to get into that. Like Rules, formulaic, yeah. like people that I know that have been in Nashville and, um, and toured with like Miranda Lambert or like, yeah or like, you know, looking at my songs going, well, it has to be like this because of right. this. And I'm like, it doesn't have to be anyway. Mm-hmm. It can yeah. be whatever I want it to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. If you're writing it to make oh, the yeah. money and make the hit. Right. But you have to separate it. it. And it's hard to be both. Like, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Would I take money to write songs to buy me a new car right now? Absolutely. Right. But, ha- but I now know, I think I was very young in the beginning when I thought I could do both. Mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like unless you're just some magic person that I'm not, it, it borrows too much. It's like trying to be an opera singer and a blues singer at the same time. You're, it's too different. I don't know how yeah. to do I'm, it. I perform in, uh, mostly in a genre where, like, it is literally the definition of cookie cutter. Right. Mm-hmm. Like country, popular country music now is so, like, the same. Mm-hmm. I, right. I listen to the radio and I just hear a lot of the same and the same. And not just that, but the same look. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it all and sounds I think, the same to me now. I think, and yeah, uh, a lot of people, and and I don't want to get too far off from songwriting, but like a lot of people look at me. I had in the past month, I've had six people come up to me and make the same comment. They said, "You know, when I looked at you, when I came in here, I didn't expect anything this good," <sighs> and they mean that as a compliment. Mm-hmm. But it's it's backhanded, you know. It's oh, like yeah. Yeah. it's like you look like a hobo, but I was pleasantly surprised. And in my music and my songwriting and stuff too, I th- I think about this all the time. I think about this. Where's that saxophone door guy? If, because I'm and I'm and it's making me. It, it's made me that that ideology, like d- just that I'm not the perfect specimen of a human and stuff, and that type of ideology, like it's made me come to the point where I've realized I don't ever want to be the iconic. My songs, I don't want them to be the same as everybody else. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to look like everybody else. Right. Whenever I step out on stage, if people, and nine times out of ten, I go to new places where people have never seen my face before. And I ne- if I ever see the day where I quit writing songs because my music room is like, in my house is my safe space and mm-hmm. my, mm-hmm. my outlet to the world to like yell from the rooftops like, this is what I've seen. Mm-hmm. If I ever quit doing that, then I probably just quit doing it altogether. Yeah, I mean, because that's just that's yeah. just me, and 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 the person that I am, like I'm, I, 
I just am what I am. And again, people they they judge me harshly based on my looks. Even my songs. Uh, that's that, that's kind of an important thing too. Your songs, the way that you write, no matter what our intentions were, whether to write a hit or whether it was to write just from absolute pure uninhibited joy, the way that people perceive our songs are just so heavily like. That's true. It's so heavily influenced by the way that we look too, mm-hmm. and. Um, I just think mm-hmm. that's, that was a really interesting thing that I encountered this past month where I was, it got me to thinking, I'm glad that I'm not the, like, in the box. Mm-hmm. Right. Wish.com bu- bust out of the box. Yeah. <laughs> country singer. Here's yeah. your Chris Nelson doll. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Chris Stapleton did a lot, though, as far as, like, some of these weird ideas of, I feel like Chris Stapleton did a lot as far as, like, changing the mold on some of these things. I saw him with, like, 12 people in the audience, you know, and that's, maybe it's because I can't, see anything other because i am it's like for musicians i think it crosses so many things like sexuality religion politics mm-hmm. like because one of the biggest gifts about being a musician is when you walk into a room you're like do they make me feel something mm-hmm. so it's mm-hmm. not so much like what you look like and i was telling emily right. earlier it's like it's crazier for women i too, feel too because it's like there's a bunch of like country artists lately who are like whatever i'm showing up like they just had country music fest and people online were making fun of them because they showed up in their pajamas. If we did that as women, it would never fly. But right. some of these country artists that are men are showing up in pajamas and baseball caps, and it's acceptable. And it just yeah. blows my mind. Yeah. But then you've got people, and I honestly, and you're going to laugh when I say this, but I put you in that category. Because like when I listened to your music, I walked in because we were both playing gigs. Literally, if you were country music fest, like right here, mm-hmm. he makes sense to be booked for that. Mm-hmm. I don't. <laughs> At all. But I walked in and I heard you and it was just like this wall of sound and it was so amazing. And like, it was really cool to hear you say that because I don't think about that at all. Because when I walk in, it's immediately, oh, how does that make me feel? Mm -hmm. What does that sound like? And I think what's even more shameful is that people are being conditioned to listen to music with their eyes Mm -hmm. instead of with their body and how it feels. Because if anyone walked in and just didn't go immediately like, oh, He's going to hit me with the door with my saxophone. That's not, <laughs> it's not right, you know? Yeah, I think that's a, a I, I think that that has a lot to do back to what we were talking about earlier with the digital age, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, where not only are people so conditioned to, you know, and I, and I think Jason Isbell did sort of a similar thing with a little bit of a breakout, you know, where he was, but he's now kind of become like the new Nashville sound. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, I love some Jason Isbell, but it's become sort of the same thing and people get, I think people are getting pre-programmed with the chord progressions. They're getting pre-programmed oh, with totally. the cadence. They're getting mm-hmm. pre-programmed with all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. all so instantaneously available. It's like mm-hmm. their music is such an afterthought, and it devalues independent original music. It devalues independent original live performance as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. But it's like, how do you how do you make your way through that? And you know, I think for me at least, it is continuing. Just I create because that's if I don't create, then I have a ton of all energy and other stuff that gets me into places that I probably wouldn't want to be and wouldn't want to be stuff I wouldn't right. want to be doing. So I create out of an authenticity. I think <laughs> you know that's what I like to tell myself um but i do think that like listening to your story makes me think of like a, a, i say this a lot but thanks i, I think you know yeah. <laughs> like 100%. you know yeah. i guess <laughs> dot, i don't dot, know dot. you know thanks i guess <laughs> moving on but that's you know it does feel to me very much and i think this goes back to some of the things we're talking about with gigs like people come up and make these wild random requests you know i want to get a little warning label that goes on our 
you know, sort of um, our gig propaganda that we put out posters and that sort of mm-hmm. stuff at the gig. This is warning feral musicians, F-E-R-A-L, I don't know if I pronounced that right, but yeah. that's the word that's in my head. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it is. Feral musicians, um, you know, click here for, or scan here for suggested engage, rules of engagement. Like, Dude, <laughs> you know. I will buy whatever you put that on and like, yes. <laughs> also, can you add, please don't be an asshole. Yes. What that means is don't ask for a song while I'm currently playing a song. Oh my gosh. Oh my. Or even try to talk to me. Yeah. Like I'm singing and I'm putting out I'm playing <laughs> and thinking about my grocery list and wondering if I turn off my stove while yeah. I'm singing. I got too much going on up yeah. there. Yeah, and right. also what am I going to sing next? What's the next song? Because like yeah. in, in and is that guy going to fall off his bar stool? <laughs> oh yeah, there he goes. Yeah. I, you know, unless I know the guy on the bar stool, I actually don't worry too much about that. I'm like, I, you know, I can only help so much. What's and it you, like to be you mentally healthy? To yourself, and I'm, a, I'm <laughs> you know, like, karma. I guess <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like when we're when you know, like people. Well, when people, the audience members come and like they're like, hey, can you turn it down? And you're like, if, you sat if, right by the table, ma'am. If, if the <laughs> manager wants to ask me that, cool. Yeah. But like, but talking during while you're singing and you're like, I can't do anything right now. Are you actually having a conversation with me while I'm singing and playing? Right. Like, when the kid's iPad I, like, is louder than we're singing on stage. Like it's it's weird being in 2023. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but speaking of. Breakout country artists specifically, I think my new favorite big name female country artist is Sierra Farrell. I've seen her a couple times this year. I don't even know who that is. Oh, man. I just recently heard about her. Yeah, check her out. Not because she's not amazing. I just live under a huge rock. Yeah. Like a really big rock. We're going to hook you guys up with like, y'all are going to be playlisting all the way back to Myrtle Beach. (laughs) 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 Um, But, you know, like she, I think, is a lot of the molds that y'all were talking about. And, of course, I'm a dude saying this, but from the outside looking in, she's doing things that are breaking those norms. That's amazing. And I think mm-hmm. it's a really cool thing. There is another performer, and I saw both of them at High Water Fest in Charleston this year, Sierra Farrell, and there's another male country performer. I cannot remember his name right now, and I feel bad about that, but he always performs with a mask, which if you're in a bar is... Orville Peck? Orville Peck, yeah, Orville okay. Peck. Check Orville Peck out. Orville Peck is a trained ballet dancer. Oh, dope. And so, like, I'm watching him on stage from you know 500 feet away or however far I was away in, in Charleston and he's doing things with his guitar in his hands that I wouldn't consider doing in like a yoga class <laughs> so like, <laughs> how are you doing that and why wow but you know you if you were to hear their music you would go okay the lyrics are definitely changing things and cutting edge but the, it's it is definitively country sound and then you see the person it's so for me it was like yeah. a whole different experience of mm-hmm, right. you know but good, I think, you know, having grown up, you know, with, with Alan Jackson and, and Hank George Williams Strait. Jr., George yeah. Strait, you know, mm-hmm. that genre of country music, which is great and I still love and is a lot of the, has influenced and informed a lot of the way that I think about music or write. But then to see people doing something totally new with this historically stereotypical, very sort of narrow yeah, you know, it's like the new outlaw country, but it's not right. outlaw country in the way that it was thought of in mm-hmm. the seventies and eighties right. and nineties. It's a whole different different game. Uh, that gives me <laughs> hope because I used to think that like songwriting and country music were the same thing. It wasn't until after I went to college mm-hmm. that I realized, oh, because like you know, everyone and their mama, you should move to Nashville, or right. I'd have like <laughs> I would go to Music Row and I'd have writing sessions, and I never once felt at home there. I hated it. I'm look, I might be the only person to admit this out loud. But I don't enjoy every time I have to go to Nashville and write. I'm just like, oh, but 
then I got outside the box and I realized that you can go be someone who writes for this style of music. You've got Anderson Pock who writes that kind of music. You've got people like, I mean, like you're talking about the different country musicians who have different influences and stuff. And like, I didn't know that there was anything more than the type of songwriting that I knew. Mm-hmm. And so everyone makes fun of me. It's like, Oh, I don't like country music. That's not true at all. Mm-hmm. I like songwriting. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. something that feels good. I just don't like mm-hmm. hearing about the same truck dog and girl in a bikini right. with the Budweiser over and over. <laughs> the beer, truck beer, thing truck, is truck, like, truck, dog, yeah. dog, dog, girl, 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 done. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't hate country music just in case someone thinks that I'm like bashing. Yeah. I just, I need a little bit more substance. I really like, we were talking about Phoebe Bridgers earlier. Yeah. I really love her style because she just, she's great. She's like, I, I was, such detail in her writing. I got uh, I got exposed to her through a uh, Sirius XM channel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say it's the it's it's a, a singer songwriter coffee um, house or something. Yeah. Maybe. Mm-hmm. So I actually went and followed, and um, surprisingly enough, um, again you wouldn't expect <laughs> a dude like me to, but I, I absolutely love it. I think it's brilliant, and I I found a bunch of other artists off of that channel. Have you mm-hmm. listened that, to um, Boy Genius? Yeah. They're playing in Wilmington tonight. My daughter's first show tonight is Boy Genius. She'll never forget that. People, (laughs) for the rest of your life, what was your first show? She'll never forget it. No, 100%. My first show, what was y'all's first? My first show, I'll say, we'll go around the the, the horn with this. My first show was Little Feet opening for Jimmy Buffett in a high school football stadium in like 1989 on Hilton Head Island. (laughs) I love it. No doubt. I did not know. What I was listening so to, I had I knew every Jimmy Buffett song because I was raised on Jimmy Buffett. Like Hunter, I, I talking about songs written earlier. I don't perform Margaritaville. I almost like have a, a fundamental opposition to performing yeah. it. But I do wish I'd written it. Yeah, oh, totally. Level. That was cutting edge back in the seventies. Yeah. You know, it was mm-hmm. a whole different thing. So that was my first show. What was your first show? Emily? I think it was Kathy Matea. Mm-hmm. I feel like I need to ask my parents that. It was either Kathy Matea or the Spice Girls, mm. if you want to get like completely <laughs> off genres. Um, it was one of those two. <laughs> I'm going to have to look up that first artist. I'm sitting here, and I, I don't know who yeah. that is. So other than wasn't my dad, because my dad would play a lot of like major festivals and stuff, Stefan Wolf. Mm. That's so random. I'm probably not even saying that correctly, <laughs> but I don't even yeah. know what Magic songs Barbara they were. Ride. Yeah. I just remember being there like, huh. I'm the only kid here. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so my first, uh, my first show was a it was a Christian like a local Christian rock group. Actually, it was called I want to say Sticks Out Loud. It was a guy who worked with my uncle um, who painted cars and stuff like that, and they had put together this band. And um, what really sticks out to me about that concert, dude, is I remember I remember like sitting there and I kept looking at my feet. And I could feel the bass drum, I love that. like in my feet. And there was something about that that I was just like, "This is the just coolest thing, man. Mm-hmm. This is the absolute greatest." Like the speakers, the show, the drums, the flashiness. Like it, it was something about it that was like, I don't know, man. I was like, I, mm-hmm. I want to go to, I want to go more of these. You know, this yeah, this is great. <laughs> so, kind of going full circle, and then we'll we'll wrap up here and get on to y'all's performances. <laughs> But full circle back to what we were talking about. I don't. Th- I don't think this is recorded. So I think we were talking about it before the show about our bodies being made of water and mm. about the impact oh, yeah. that sound waves and vibrations have on us. I'm a huge Grateful Dead fan. The Dead probably influence and inform my music more than just about anything else. And they have the wall of sound. Like there was mm. a thing that they did, and mm. you can look up pictures of it. And they have stacks on top of stacks, like 40, 50 feet in the air, speakers the entire width of the stage. 
I don't know who their sound engineer was, whatever, he did a great job. But that, that to me is the thing that I think about, like what you were saying, Melissa, about how somebody makes you feel when you walk into a room. Mm -hmm. And so the big change for me as I started performing uh, is now when I go to shows, I want to be on the rail. I want to absorb what that artist is putting out, what those folks are putting out, not just with my ears, not mm -hmm. just what I hear and mentally absorb it, but like I want that influence on yeah. my body because the best performers that I see these days are able to, in their body, when they're singing and, and performing their original music, go back to the emotional state they were in when they wrote the song, what they were healing Oof. from, what they were celebrating, yeah. whatever it was that Ooh. was happening. And they take themselves back there for our Field benefit trip. so that we yeah. can feel that, so that we can be part of that and, and learn from that experience also. Um, we have gotten the signal. <laughs> so thank you all so, so much for joining us for our podcast today. We're really stoked about this. this is, I was so excited. And it was honestly a last minute thing. We're like, oh, they're coming from Myrtle Beach. They should be on the pipe. Let's just do it. So we yeah. kind of threw it together last minute. Mm -hmm. Emily and CB and TK flying by the seat of their pants doing the things. <laughs> well, thank you all. But thanks for being here. We're excited to hear what you're going to perform for us today and stoked that you're going to be playing the show tonight at 7. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for reminding us what it's about. <laughs>
used to call you lover, I used to call you friend, but now I know that I will never call you again. And I used to think about the life I'd always thought we'd have, but one day I stopped dreaming because I lost all the fight I had. This time gave it and changed too much and you wouldn't change it all. And I got tired of waiting for you and I put up all my walls. You told me to be patient that you come back around. The flowers die when the sky decides not to fall down and it's okay. Things change, rearrange. It happens all the time. Lovers leave, they let you down, and they stop coming around, and you quit saying their names, and ain't it strange, said ain't it strange, used to stay up late, sharing love with the walls, we ignored the time and never answered any calls. I laugh at all your jokes, even when they made me mad. You'd hold me when I cried to you until things got too bad. And time came in and changed too much, and you wouldn't change at all. And I got tired of waiting for you, and I put up all my walls. You told me to be patient, that you'd come back around. The flowers die when the sky decides not to fall down. It's okay, things change, rearrange, it happens all the time. Lovers leave, they let you down, and they stop coming around, but you quit saying their names. Oh, ain't it strange? again. You're lying when you wish them well and you really wish they'd leave. Cause they haunt your walls like ghosts and all your favorite memories. And ain't it strange the way things change. But it's okay cause things change. You rearrange it happens all the time. Lovers leave, they let you down, and they stop coming around. But you quit saying their names. Oh, you quit saying their names. And ain't it strange? Mm, ain't it strange? Stop saying their names.
I come home to your smiling face Supper's on the stove and the kids are in play My dreams have all come true In this life it's them to me and you Living in a little house by the creek You can smell the song cause it's close to the sea all right life is hard but we keep fighting the fight if these walls could talk what would they say if I were a million miles away would you think of me each and every day would you think of me each and every day We don't have much But we're happy anyway Then these walls Is our getaway This is where we like to spend our days Feel at home Can I say There are days Where we fuss and fight there are days when nothing seems to go right None of that matters when I look at you Love keeps us together, special kind of glue If these walls can talk What would they say If I were a million miles away Feels good with you by my side. Laying next to you is heaven every night. When you look at me that way, I feel at home. What can I say? At the end of my days, as long as your little hands in mine, I'll be. Scatter me high upon the hill Above the creek and next to the mill If these walls to talk What would they say If I were a million miles away Would you think of me each and every Like to play music every day. I told him it's like catching a disease, it won't go away. 
When she digs her claws in you, there is no other way. Be addicted to bright lights, but won't see the light of day. She'll fly high above the clouds Just so everyone can take aim And turn shooting you down As you fall on the earth Your broken wings will ride Some for the crowds You'll remember mama telling you It's easier to smile than frown Being me Can't be heaven It can be hell Come on, it'll bring you from, from the dark. You tell them, darling, don't you know this life is a heavy load? Loving boys like me is a long and hard road. I might make it to a life of luxury, but I'd be okay if it's just you. Thank you.
That one's like brand new, dude. I was, that's why I had to keep uh, looking down at the lyrics and everything. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. 